Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is the amazing Katie Moses, Managing Director of Cam Media and All-Round Data Queen. Coming up on today's show... Katie sets the scene for our chat. Yes, well, you can always rely on me for a bit of potty now. Phil talks about how good his fries are. I'm just going to put it right out there that I do make amazing fries. And Katie accurately depicts the mood of the nation. Do I want to get dressed up for nines and go up to the West End for a night out right now? Hell yes. All that and so much more as Katie talks us through her story to date. In addition, Katie talks about her journey with such humility and humour and once again demonstrates yet another line of work that this amazing industry can take you into. Don't forget to give us a like and a share across your favourite social channels. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the next episode of Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street. Today's guest, I think it's fair to say, is known by a great deal many far and wide. A fellow podcaster of sorts, we'll come on to that with her hospitality talk show as well as the convenience talk show, which is in the UK convenience sector. And in amongst all this, she also finds time to be the founder and MD of Cam Media. I am, of course, talking about the fabulous Katie Moses. Welcome to the show. Hi, Phil. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited um, to finally get on this podcast with you and for you to, to question me to your heart's content. Bless you. Well, don't. Uh, this is not uh, some high legal content where you're going to get drilled by you know, where were you when you were doing this and what was the thinking behind that and all of that sort of thing. It's very light, so relax. How are you anyway? I'm good, thank you. Yes, I am. I mean, I'm at home in, in South London, um, as most people are not necessarily in South London, but at home. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm I'm coping okay. I, I'm, I'm out every day on a, on a walk just to get some, some fresh air. We're busy. Uh, I mean, as a business, you know, we're, we're coming up, we're in a real busy time at the moment for, for various different reasons that I'm sure we'll come on to later. We've got a lot of big research programs that go out around yep. this time of year. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Just getting through it all. Yeah, I, I think that's that's absolutely the thing, isn't it? I mean, you, you've just got to do the, the best you can with what you've got. Uh, that's uh, in, in principle, that doesn't actually change regardless of what's going on out in the world. Absolutely. I, I, and I think that, you know, getting through these lockdowns is all about keeping yourself busy, keeping yourself occupied, you know, try, trying to be out there doing the right thing as far as you can safely within your community and within your industry. Um, and, you know, that, that's all we can all do at the moment. You know, I think sometimes we're a bit hard on ourselves and we're, we're expecting these massive achievements when actually we're going through a global pandemic. If you brush your teeth in the morning and manage to make the phone calls that you're supposed to be making, then you're winning, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good points. Actually, I, I um, very early on in the first lockdown, when I started seeing all these businesses moving, I desperately try not to use the word pivot, <laughs> but uh, moving into other things. You know, I was kind of in awe, and I then would sort of look at them and look at myself and my own business and think, why am I not coming up with this sort of stuff? Mm. But then soon you get past it, and you're like, you know what? Stop judging your own output by other people. And just be, you know, just find your your happy place and make sure that you you stay in as good a place as you can. I think you're right, Phil. I, I mean, I I've just finished, funnily enough, about half an hour ago, I finished an interview with um, a publican. Um, she's got just just the one pub, 
And she said that she keeps looking at all these amazing people like, you know, like the Yummy Pubs guys who have started up their gastro to go and their letterbox cocktails. And she's sort of saying, I just don't feel I'm capable of doing that. She said, but what I am capable of doing is making sure that when I reopen, I am the best version of my pub that I can yeah. be. And she said to me, do you think that's enough? And I said, yes, of course do, that's right? enough. Of course that's yeah. enough. Being the best that you can be at your job is enough. And if you want to do that dreaded pivot thing and, and you want to start up a new business or a new a brand extension or whatever it might be, then bravo, that's absolutely bloody brilliant. But you can also just improve on what you're already doing and make sure that when those doors open, you hit the ground running. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know, I already saw that when we um, when we came out of lockdown and we were allowed to get on with it in the summer. And the, everywhere that I went out for, for food or drink or whatever it was, it felt to me like the service levels had gone up mm. exponentially. And it's almost like it afforded a lot of businesses the opportunity to reset, to re really think about, okay, so when we reopen, let's make sure that we are doing this, 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 and yeah. this yeah. well. Yeah. And that definitely came across in the places that I went uh, in the in the service standards. Yeah, it did. And it also came across in the research that we did because we, you know, throughout the various lockdowns and, and reopenings, we've been running consumer research and we've been asking consumers, you know, what do you think of the service you're getting out there in hospitality? And, and, and you know, almost unanimously, the research was coming back and telling us, it, you know, it's as good as I need it to be. And, and it's better than it was before, you know, and we had, we did a piece of work with Feed It Back, where we were looking at consumer sentiment towards um, pubs, bars and restaurants. Um, and it was, you know, going up every single week, it was it, the ratings were increasing, consumers were happier, they felt safer, they felt more secure, and they mm. were excited to be back in hospitality. So I think you're right, I think that the, the best operators take this time to make sure that they become the best version of themselves possible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, if you're if you're surviving, you in a, a better place than a lot. So, you know, make the most of it and crack on. Absolutely. Um, anyway, that's enough of that old rubbish. <laughs> Let's move to your story. And obviously, before you you got involved with what you're doing now, there's a whole journey behind that so take us all the way back to the very beginning of your career how did you end up here <laughs> that's a great question um, yeah, it's not not loaded at all is it or you know <laughs> very broad yeah I think it was you know a calamity of errors um, really but I, hey, look, <laughs> I, I, I never meant to, to end up here my, my father's a musician and I was I was desperate to do something in the music industry but I had right. absolutely zero natural talent so it was always going to be behind the scenes you know maybe working on festivals or whatever and and then I, I went to university, I went to Bristol University, and, and I left early. I never actually got my degree, which is something that I do regret in some ways, but it was the right thing for me at the time. And yeah. I went to start, my first job was working at the Daily Express. So for... Um, really? Yeah, for Northern and Shell. And so I went in for an interview for a administration role. And I sat down and it was so, you know, I mean, you hear these stories now, Phil, and, um, and you think, how did that, that actually happen in real life? But I sat down with this woman and she passed me a pen and went, sell me this pen. Oh, uh, not that one. The old traditional. Yeah, I actually had that happen to me. And so I did. And I thought, well, this is a bit bizarre. Doesn't she want to know my typing speed? <laughs> and, she, and so I walked across and they were based on Blackfriars Bridge at the time. And... Um, 
mobile phones were not not long in in our lives at that point but but I did have one and I walked across Blackfriars Bridge and just as I was about to go into the troop my phone rang and it was her and she was offering me the job and it was a sales role and I just thought I, I always thought of salespeople as you know the sort of traditional pushy car salespeople and I thought oh god I don't want to do that and then she told me mm. the salary and I went when do I start I said because I'd heard of money like that you know I'd, I'd been working part-time jobs and and whilst I was at uni so yep. anyway, I was there for around a year or so um I think uh, by the time I left by the way I was the this is how challenging it is to work in media sales space and certainly newspaper sales space back in that day by the time I left I was the longest standing person on a sales floor of 42 people and I'd only been there for a year and a month or something that's how so, so not cutthroat at all then uh, the turnover is actually amazing and of course I, I was working for, for some you know Richard Desmond who still owns the Express and the Star and 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 uh, uh, OK magazine you know and he you know I had a, a folder thrown at my head once um <laughs> it was quite, it was quite a challenge it really was quite a challenge and, and I actually had the travel and property sections um and I had the American Airlines account on 9-11 so that if you were ever going to ask me what a, what a challenge is it's selling space in a national newspaper to American Airlines on the 12th of September crikey um, yeah and I had the chief exec of, of American Airlines call me up and said Katie pull everything I've got absolutely everything and one of the ads we were going to run was American Airlines plane going past the World Trade Center that was going in the next day and we just had to pull everything that's nuts yeah Um, and we stood in the newsroom watching it all happen and I just remember thinking it's the world will never ever be the same again after this and certainly my world never was so and I left shortly after that it's definitely one of those incidents isn't it that everybody remembers where they were and being in a national newsroom at the time and and actually because we so we we kind of hunkered down because the we were seen as being a possible target because of the fact that we were were press and we all ended up getting an armed guard uh sort of uh, uh, walked to the station by armed guards um when when it was time to go home because they were they were so very very worried about you know, where could be next? If you remember the day, it was very much, it could be anyone. So, mm. so I left shortly after that and went into recruitment. And again, hey. Yeah, good old recruitment. Oh my God, I miss <laughs> recruitment, Phil. Isn't it fantastic? When it goes right, it's so good. Oh, it's, well, it's a, it's a, a business with incredible highs and lows. It and, is. And ultimately, you know, there, it doesn't really matter how good you are. You're always at the mercy of other people. Basically, in the end, you know, it's the the just the the nature of the beast. I used to say that um, recruitment was the only business where your client and your product can both change their minds. Yeah, <laughs> because it is you're so at the mercy of them. But you know, again, recruitment was an accident for me. I walked into to register to get uh, you know another job, and the woman that ran the agency said, "Why don't you come and work here?" So I did. Yeah, that's actually similar to how I got uh, into it. Although I probably was a little bit more proactive in in the sense that I was intrigued by it. So I asked the questions rather than them uh, asking me if I'd like to do it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I was I was in a a recruitment company for an operations job, and I just my brain went, "Ooh, this looks quite interesting." Actually, do I I get to speak to people all day? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's quite cool. Yeah. And I mean, there's a bit more to it than that, but well, also, I, I, you know, I still stand by the fact I miss recruitment. I really do, 
I still stand by the fact that there's no better feeling in a job than when you've placed somebody in a role that you know is right for them, you know the company's right for them, totally. but you know that they are going to add value to that role and to that company. And you can kind of sit back and go, wow, that's an achievement. You know, I think yeah. such a lovely feeling. And, we, you know, I used to I used to do commercial recruitment just generally, so everything from an office junior up to a financial director. And, and I used to take a lot of joy as well when I placed office juniors because sometimes it was kids that you thought, you might not get a chance unless I kind of ask them to see you because I don't think you're going to put yourself forward for this or you don't necessarily have the skills, but you do have the personality. And if I yeah. convince them to teach you the skills, then this could be a match made in heaven, you know. So, I, you know, I still, I, I miss recruitment. It was fantastic. In fact, I spoke to a woman not that long ago, probably six months or so ago, who texted me to say, who found me through um, Facebook to let me know that she was leaving the job that I'd placed her in in my first week in recruitment. So that's Which is how many years ago now? Be careful. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, that's got to be... Two, two, three, three 20. years. No, it can't be that. Long. 15 years ago, about 15 years right, ago. Right, right. So, yes, I left recruitment because, um, well, there was a, another shitstorm, really, which, which was the recession. Right. So, you know, that happened, and a friend of mine was working for an agency called HIM, um, who work in grocery retail and said to me, look, well, they're looking for sort of head of sales. So went along and had that interview. Turns out that my stepkids and, and my soon-to-be boss's kids are at school together and he lives near me and all sorts. So I just had like a 20-minute interview in Costa Coffee and then got a job offer by text that night. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes you just know, right? I mean, it's um, yeah. when it all works and uh, there's probably no need to go through a long drawn out recruitment process when everybody just feels that it's right yeah absolutely and it was right because I I joined there and I had the time of my life I was there for uh, six years I think um and certainly you know the the first say four or five were absolutely amazing it was a fantastic company to work for at the time it you know I got to travel the world you know we went to Dubai and Miami and Barcelona um you know we worked hard we played hard I mean I think of some of the things now you know the 4am finishes with a 6am start and you know we were known as a company for being really good fun but also you know being respected for what we did and being credible with the knowledge that we had of yeah research and consumers and shoppers within that grocery channel with this small format grocery so convenience wholesale etc and then um after a lot of changes there I decided to leave and I actually went to Australia to see I had some I've got friends dotted around Australia for some reason and um I thought I'll take a bit of time out let's just take a couple of weeks and, and figure out what I want to do and then I had a ex-client from my old company call me up and say we want to do some research. Would you please run the project for us? And there was no clash of, you know, I was allowed to do it contractually and everything else. So I did. Mm. Um, but of course I landed from, from Melbourne on the Friday and I'd never run a business before. I'd never, I'd never started a business before. You know, I, I knew how to commercially be on an exec team, but I didn't know how to do it all myself. And I spoke to my a close friend of mine who's also has ever since been my accountant. I said, what do I do? She said, well, you need to register a company. And this is all Friday at four o'clock. She's like, well, when are you starting this new job? And I was like, Monday. <laughs> <laughs> so we had over the weekend, myself and this friend basically created Cam. You know, we got the branding done. We got a website up. We got uh, registered at company's house. And at 9 a.m. on that Monday morning, I walked into office in Spitalfields to take the brief for the first job. 
So, you That's know. incredible. It all, hey, listen, Phil, nothing happens to me. I don't sit there with a life plan or, or even... I was going to say, it, it, it feels a little bit like all of this has happened to you rather than you've happened to it. I think I think that's probably a fair assessment, but I also think I'm quite good at knowing what to allow to happen. Yeah, well, th- that's that was the next phase of that. I wasn't I wasn't dissing you for a second. No, no, no. I, th- I think it's a it's a real skill to identify what the real opportunities are. You know, even when because the majority of the best opportunities happen when you least expect it, right? I mean, they uh, it, but it's about knowing. Yeah, that's me or. Mm-hmm. No, I can't. I can't do that. And I think that that's where the real talent comes into, uh, and how you you can then build something, yeah, uh, of your career. Well, it's like they say, you know, hard work creates luck because hard work creates those opportunities. Yeah. So you know, and I think that's what I've been quite good at doing to date is taking advantage of an opportunity that I've created because I've worked hard for it. But it doesn't mean I haven't taken some wrong opportunities along along the along the lines. But but certainly, yeah, I don't have a long life plan. I'm not a big believer in long business plans. I think that business plans should be 12 to 24 months, and I think they should fit on one page. You know, and, and I think that once you get into any more granular detail than that, then you continue to focus on the detail rather than the big picture. And I yeah. think the big picture is where you need to be sat. So yeah. That's that's really refreshing to hear, actually. I, I say that as a as somebody who's a, a big picture thinker, mm. and I am not a, a a detail guy. I get other people to do the detail because that's not the way that my brain yeah, works. Yeah. I'm always thinking laterally as opposed to just you know in one direction. Yeah, and that's nothing to do with the boy band. <laughs> they don't even exist anymore. No, they, um, no, no. You're well, you're well out, and I shouldn't know that. I shouldn't know that, but anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Cam Media, and how how long have you had that now? Seven years. So we've just had our Brilliant. seven year anniversary last month, which is we were going to do a big party for, but for obvious reasons, that's going to be later on in the year. Yeah, yeah. Well, for context, this is this chat's taking place on the twenty fifth of February, twenty twenty one, and at the moment we're not allowed to do anything. No, that's is that fair? Yeah, I think that. <laughs> That is fair. You're allowed to go out on your, your daily state mandated walk, and, and and other than that, it's stay at home unless you can't stay at home. So we're staying at home. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, well, what's the? What I, this is one thing that I remember actually about you because I, I, admittedly, I did not know who you were until lockdown, oh, pretty really? much. Yeah, and I, I felt like I might be the only person on the planet actually <laughs> at one point because there across twitter and linkedin and pretty much anywhere and everywhere all i saw was katie moses or cam media (laughs) doing something and i I, i'm definitely not uh, having a go at you for that at all but i think it's also probably a lot to do with the fact of where people's headspace are right i mean why would i have ever known you i have i haven't needed to come to you for for a piece of of work or anything like that but of course when things that kind of force you to change direction and change your thinking you you then see new things and new people and it's the podcast actually that that alerted me to the fact that you exist so tell me if you would be so kind what what kind of things do you now do as cam media well so we've always been a research um uh, agency that works in 
convenience retail, wholesale and hospitality. Um, Primarily what we do is bespoke research. So somebody comes to us with a problem, with a question, with a hypothesis or an objective, and we put together a research program, whether that's face-to-face, online, um, whether it's diaries, you know, we, we, we work across all methodologies um, and we solve that problem or answer that question or prove or disprove that hypothesis. And that that's what we do primarily that's bespoke work. So exactly, you probably wouldn't have had any reason to deal with us unless you were coming to us for a piece of research. That hasn't changed. The only thing that has changed is that I think we have become possibly more visible because we made the decision at the very beginning of lockdown, myself and the senior team, which is um, Blake, who's our strategy and insights director, another Katie, just to be confusing, who's our marketing (laughs) director, we made the decision to kind of go hard or go home. Um, we knew it was going to be tough. We weren't sure whether the business would survive. I mean, I don't think you'll find anyone in hospitality that that was convinced their business was going to survive. So yeah, sure. You know, we we all had to think about that. And I just said, look, let's let's put let's put what money we've got into the pot. Let's get some research out there. Let's help the industry, and let's make that RMO. Because if I'm going to go down, then I'm I'm going down swinging. So let's make sure that we do everything we possibly can here. Katie came on board in the September before the first lockdown in March, and she is an absolute superstar marketing person. And so she basically took everything out of my hands and went, I'll have, I'll do that. Thanks very much. I mean, even to the point, Phil, where she's taken the password for our Twitter account off me because apparently I can't be trusted. Um, (laughs) So, which is absolutely true. So now I just tweet from my own account if I've had a couple of gin and tonics, but I'm not allowed to do it from the work account anymore. (laughs) After a spectacular incident that I won't tell you about because I think we managed to delete it in time. So, um, excellent. You know, and that's why during lockdown, I think, you know, our profile was raised because Katie worked incredibly hard to do that. Blake, in the meantime, just has this sixth sense you know he can he can sniff out what's important to people to know and he knows how to write a question and he knows how to get under the skin of consumers and uh, and shoppers and etc so and customers so between the two of them really they just kind of propped me up in front of all of their hard work and 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 I cracked on and you know I'd never really done a webinar prior to the first lockdown and I'm doing five to ten a week I guess with our clients, yeah. and, but also, you know, the, the hospitality talks thing, which was, which started off as a, it, that was a drunk idea of my husband's, actually. We, he's a musician, so he shouldn't really have a head for this kind of idea, but he does tend to. And on the first day of lockdown, he said to me, why don't you speak to sort of operators and suppliers and, you know, a, a cross section of people in your industries that you work in? Um, and just do 10 minutes of them once a week and find out how they're getting on. And, and also it might help with your sort of mental health as well to have that connection. Mm. So that's how that started up. And it, it, it never really meant to go as far, as far as it has. But, you know, it has proved popular. And actually, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy that 15 minutes that I sit and chat with somebody about what's going on in their business. And it gives them an outlet as well. So, you know, that's, yeah. that's kind of where, where that went. So that's the long answer of what do we do? <laughs> yeah, well, I like long answers on this this show. Otherwise, the show would would be ten minutes long. So, um, yeah, um, no, I hundred percent relate. I, uh, I, you know, my as, as we've discussed, my day job is recruitment, and you know that that like most supply chain roles went dry very quickly. Yeah. And so you ha- you think? I mean, re- literally, I I was thinking of starting the podcast anyway, 
it just helped me get it over the line a lot quicker because I had the the luxury of time all of a sudden. Yes. And I'm so grateful for this little show of mine mm. for many, many different reasons, just in terms of the, the cross-section of people it's allowed me to talk to. And I was very clear with myself because I'm a listener of, of podcasts as well. So, yes, I am. And I, I just felt that all of them had gone very COVID-centric. And I just wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, and really, and this now kind of, I remember somebody said to me once, this is almost serves as a little history lesson to people that remember before all this yeah. nonsense happened, we had, we had fun and we were doing good work. And, um, and so I always, I've, I've just tried to keep it that way. And that's kept me sane as well, because I'm having very varied conversations with, you know, a, a quite a wide variety of people across the industry. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I think, I, I think that giving you that reason to connect is great and also at the moment you know we are we are all at home so when I'm making my lunch I stick on a podcast when I'm taking my daily walk I yep. put on a podcast you know when I'm putting my makeup on in the morning I put on a podcast so you know I, I'm a really big believer in I mean I'm, I'm not good at space I'm not good at not doing anything I don't particularly like my own thoughts so right. I, I'm very much if I'm not doing something where I'm speaking to somebody then I'll be listening to something and if I can learn at the same time then that's an absolute bonus you know yeah yeah absolutely so you're you've just gone through 50 episodes of hospitality talks did I I'm record well yes I have 50 episodes the 50th one will be going out on Monday so and it's a stormer um but yes they're all stormers <laughs> thank you it's, that's the guests not me but there's you know there's been some good ones. there's been there's been some fantastic conversations I've learned a lot and, I, and I've kind of made some good friends through it as well you know there's people that maybe didn't know what we did or I didn't really know what they did and you know we're now you know talking about things and keeping in contact post just the podcast mm. so in a way you know in a, in a global pandemic where you can't be with each other it becomes various different things to you because it becomes networking it becomes knowledge it becomes sanity it gives you a focus you know and then it, it gives you the content that you want as a business um, and it hopefully in some way or another might help somebody out there somebody that gets an idea yeah. from someone else or someone that gets reassured that actually they're not the only ones feeling like shit right now and that you know actually everybody's suffering you know the the publican I just spoke to today she said she suffers massively with imposter syndrome yet she's got this amazingly successful business and I think that sometimes we get a bit too used to putting good news stories out there and it's actually okay to turn around and say I failed at this or this didn't work and here's what I learned from it or here's what you can learn from from my failure and I, and I think that podcasts give you a very honest platform to be able to do that and to have those honest conversations with people yeah absolutely and do you know what you're uh, responsible for one of my favorite moments of my own podcast even though you've only ever featured for about five minutes in one podcast Good. and that that was uh, the hospitality aid podcast we did last year do you remember that yes yeah, and um, uh, it was so good that I had to feature feature you on the intro to that particular episode, where basically you just said you're a real shit, Chris, <laughs> in that tone, because he just Chris Fletcher had just landed you in the uh, in the mire 
um, with regard to something in terms of trying to get some information out of you on the show. Yeah, he really has, hasn't he? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes, well, you can always rely on me for a bit of potty mouth if that's what you want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was giving somebody asked me some advice the other day about because I was talking about failure, and I think that you know it's, it is important you have those discussions. And I said, look. Uh, an old um, chief exec of mine once said to me, it doesn't matter if you fuck up, fuck up quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I just think is such great advice. So, yeah. 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 Absolutely. No, yeah. So, it's safe to say then that, I, that your your journey is definitely not kind of your typical journey to to where you are. I mean, have you always been, because I know that you, you look after or are certainly interested in more than just hospitality, but have you always had like an affinity with with the industry or did that come to you later yeah no I have and I I, I still to this day remember my my the first um drink I ever had in a pub which was not wholly legal I will be uh, I'll just be up front there I was about 15 years old and um had some fake ID and I went into um a, I've a, all been there a, a non a, a not to be named pub in South Croydon which is near where I was brought up um, and I had a archers and lemonade with a friend of mine and just a drink of choice for underagers, I think. <laughs> That's right. But <laughs> being in that pub and we sat in there for about three hours and we, we had the sort of three drinks that we could afford to have. And I loved every minute of it. I loved the community feel of it. I loved the buzz. I loved the sport that was on the TV. And And, and I was too young to really cut my teeth in hospitality too much but I just remember that feeling of this is nice I like this and ever since then I've been interested in hospitality but it wasn't until sort of my previous role so about what 13 years ago or so that I started to work in it and working uh, initially in the pub industry and then moving into the rest of hospitality just excited me you know I, I just think that hospitality is it's it's never going to be boring. And, you know, I, I have a short attention span, so I need to be working with things that change quite frequently and things that I can really get sort of stuck in with and not get not get stuck in that sort of boredom bit where you're just doing the same thing every day, which, you know, is why I love recruitment. Every day was different. Mm. And I think it is in hospitality. And now we work across um, hospitality, grocery, retail, and we cover all areas of hospitality, you know, there is never a dull day. There is always a challenge, but there's always an opportunity as well. And I think that this industry is, it's it's one of a kind in the support you get from your fellow colleagues as well, because, you know, as well as I do, going to all the different conferences and awards dinners and everything else, you never don't have a good time, you know, even if you, yeah. even if you're getting an early night and <laughs> an awards do or whatever, you're still going to enjoy it. Even if it's a whole day conference, it's still going to be fascinating. And the people as well, you know, you're talking about really hardworking, entrepreneurial um, people who've got that sort of flexibility to work in, you know, a challenging um, but exciting industry, and I love working with those people. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think that the diversity, you know, it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, right? Mm. In terms of what hospitality can be to you. But I, the one, another thing that I really loved about you, especially in the uh, when we were all released from first lockdown, was that I think you were single handedly trying to keep the hospitality industry afloat with your um, 
the <laughs> amount of times you went out. I wasn't trying, I was succeeding, I can assure yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, well, I did. I, I basically made it my own place. I was like, that's it, I'm out. I was like, I was like a caged animal. I was like, right, get me out there. I want pubs, I want bars, I want restaurants, I want cinemas, I want everything I can get my hands on. And, you know, I part of it was was a dutiful, this is my industry and I need to support it. Although I probably didn't need to prop it up quite as much as I, <laughs> I <was. laughs> Um, but, had to downsize the house the house as a result exactly but yeah. the thing is is that we you know uh, my job is to be as knowledgeable as I possibly can about our industry about the operators in it the suppliers to it and the customers that go into it and so much changed in that lockdown when it comes to sort of consumer sentiment and and and, oper- and operations within venue, et cetera, that I felt I needed to get out there to understand it. And I want, you know, the first the first day after lockdown, my husband and I, um, oh my God, you know what? I literally, I'm almost tearing up whilst I'm talking about this. So we walked, sure. we walked down to a, a little independent um, restaurant called Franklin's, which was, which is a restaurant that we've been going to for years. And on the way, we we sort of went to a pub and had a drink, and then we went to Franklin's, and then we went to a bar afterwards. And and when we when they um, gave me the menu in Franklin's, um, I cried. I genuinely cried because wow. I knew. And my husband was like, "Please don't fucking do this to me, Katie. Like, <laughs> you only had one gin and tonic. You cannot." <laughs> And I just said, you know what? I've spent the last three months watching people go to the wall, watching people struggle, looking at people changing their, materially changing their business in order to still be here in three months. And mm. I'm looking at the guy that runs this restaurant and I'm thinking, I'm, I've seen everything you've been through over the last three months. And people don't work in hospitality because they want to make their millions. They work in hospitality because they love it. It has yep. to be a passion. It has to be a passion. And I was just watching what these people had done and the the lengths they had gone to to make their places safe and secure and covid covid safe essentially and it just brought it really did bring me to tears it really did it was amazing bless you yeah it's um such such a labor of love right i mean especially with all of the extra things that were then asked of businesses to do and and the industry just did it like there, there wasn't bitching and moaning it was just like, okay, well, if this is what we need to do to be open, then this is what we do. And I, I absolutely love that kind of gumption that the uh, that the industry has to to just fight and get on with it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always going to be challenges. You're always going to have to change. But on top of what the hospitality industry did uh, to overcome those challenges and to change, you're talking about human beings. You're talking yeah. about people who had been stuck at home for three months. So they're, you know, they're dealing with everything that everybody else is dealing with, maybe deaths of family members and friends, you know, uh, and, and then, you know, the mental health aspects that come, come, have come with all of the lockdowns, homeschooling, um, you know, not being able to get a bloody Sainsbury's delivery. You know, they're dealing with all the same things as we're dealing with, mm. at the same time materially changing their business to make it safe for us to come in and have a good time. And yeah. I think that was so admirable that I just found it, I, you know, I still find it really emotional. And, and when this next lockdown finishes, you know, I can't wait to go and see Doug at my local pub. Um, and, and I know that he can't wait to open his doors. And I, and I just, you feel that affinity with people in hospitality, I think even more keenly now 
um, you know, talking non-professionally, but, you know, just being as a, as a punter, basically, you know, you feel that affinity with them even more than you did before, because you can see the lengths they've gone to for themselves, their businesses and your safety, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think as well, that's going to be polarised, isn't it? Probably in city centres, yeah. because um, the reluctant, well, office workers won't return in their droves straight away, uh, even upon release. Mm-hmm. Tourism is going to be down, probably, certainly in the short term. So they're, um, yeah, they're all going to be fighting. I think we're, we're, we've talked about the fact that this is probably the beginning, if it's not already happened, of the localization of the hospitality industry, because the the smaller community driven restaurants are going to thrive probably in this this next time but i don't know correct me if i'm wrong i'm just making logical assumptions no your assumptions are right we've done a load of research into this and people are still in the short term future at least planning on staying closer to home um you know it's not necessarily just a safety thing but actually it's a habit thing you know it takes 6 weeks to form a habit and we've all been stuck in our houses for 8 months out of the last 12 you know do I want to get dressed up to the nines and go up to the West End for a night out right now? Hell yes. But (laughs) show me those heels and I'm on my way. But having said... I said the very same thing to my wife earlier on. (laughs) Your own time is up to you, Phil. You don't need to put it on a podcast. (laughs) Um, But, you know, yes, of course I want to do that. But equally, you know, the conversations that I've been having with our clients is... If you can have an at-home brand extension, you need it. Because if I used to go out three times a week, I'm now probably going to go out twice a week and then still do maybe an at-home kit or maybe just have an, an, a night off being out when I when I normally would be. Yeah. Um, city centres, of course, will bear the brunt of, of, of that and the fact that you've not got people um, going back to work. I mean, you know, I live next door to, to a couple, one of whom works for Google and the other works for Facebook. And they've been told, don't worry about coming back in this year. So, you know, any of the sort of employment hubs, I think, are going to be quiet for the foreseeable future. So that's mm. all about getting your offer right, really, because if the employment hubs are, are going to be quiet, if you can still provide somewhere good for people to work, if you can still provide, you know, a lot of people, you know, Blake, for example, our, our strategy and insight director, he's got two young kids at home. And, and you know, working under those circumstances is not always the easiest. So I think hospitality yeah. can have a part to play in creating user-friendly workspaces. But again, is that going to be more concentrated in within the community? Possibly, possibly so. But yes, city centre pubs and and bars and restaurants are, I think, going to struggle. Yeah. You mentioned at-home kits there. You got a a favourite? Oh, my goodness. Right. So I've been doing, I promised myself at Christmas I was going to do one a week because I just thought, you know, I'm sick to the back teeth of my own cooking. Yeah. <laughs> Great cook as well. But, you know, sometimes you just want something different. So Luban at home was amazing. I had the, the crispy duck and pancakes was one of the most delightful things I've ever tasted. Um, the guys at Yummy Pubs did gastro to go. I had their beef wellington at, uh, at the weekend. That was fantastic. And their cocktails are good as well. Akhtar at home was an amazing Indian experience. Well, that, is he doing? He doing that now? Yeah, but I um. So it's just my husband and I here at the moment because we've got stepchildren, but they're staying elsewhere at the moment because they're they're at university and stuff. And right. um, and I ordered the Akhtar at home box, and I didn't really read it properly, and I I didn't realize it was actually for like four or five people. So we had curry three nights in a row. It will. So much. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, I'm not good at, you know, as we said, I'm not great at detail. Instructions are not my thing. But yes, there's some great boxes and kits out there. And, and, and Pizza Pilgrims, that was another great one that we had. Pastor Evangelists. You know, I think that, that they are here to stay. I think there'll be an initial drop-off when we come out of lockdown because people are going to want to get back out and have that experience. Yeah. But then I think it will be a very slow, and I think, you know, we're starting from a low base, but I think it will be a slow growth. I really do think that the at-home kits and boxes, et cetera, are here to stay. You know, I sent a friend of mine some cocktails, again, through the Yummy Pubs guys. She called me up and she said, what a bloody great idea. She said, I'm not going to send flowers anymore because my friends don't want another bunch of flowers, but they wouldn't mind some cocktails on a Friday night. <laughs> there you go, you know, it's, it, and that's something that we need to really bear in mind when we're looking at how our businesses come out of lockdown is that this change of occasion you know consumer occasions have changed quite dramatically how for sure how, yeah how you can you know there's two new drinking occasions for a start one is in the park drinks and one is over zoom drinks and you know for any um supplier i would be looking at what is my strategy for those two new consumer occasions because we haven't had them before we don't know what the consumer wants we don't know what products they want. We don't know, you know. So I, I, I would certainly be looking, if I can, to replot consumer occasions and figure out what they look like post-COVID. Yeah, interesting. And that's actually quite, a, in principle, that's quite a simple pivot, sorry, um, yeah. to, for want of a better word, in terms of, you know, the, you probably already got the product. It's just a question of readjusting it for the new marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. And having a really good marketing, PR, social plan to back up that pivot. There you go. That's another £10 in the swear drawer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, the, um, uh, funnily enough, the, the kits at home, we've actually, we did a, a thing whereby we basically just, we wanted to support our local restaurants in whatever form. And so many of the local restaurants turned into didn't pivot takeaway like quite quickly yeah. and that was amazing and so I, I'm hoping that that will stay but I, it's literally this year that I've started doing some of the at-home kits yeah, yeah. Uh, as well and I think they're just awesome we yeah. did the honest burgers honestly there's never been a better burger that's been made in this house really okay I'll, I'll put that one on the list yeah and I, I'm just going to put it right out there that I do make amazing fries so that's um you know that was probably half of the battle but yeah. um but very simple straightforward and really really a rather awesome burger so definitely put that on your list if you've not done it that's going on the list very good what's going to be your um your kind of off the leash go to a restaurant experience oh my goodness gracious i don't know how to choose eh? <laughs> you know what i what i said to my husband the other day so i i love so he's a musician so we've got loads of musician friends and we've got loads of friends that sort of live or work or hang out um in soho in london and one of the things that we used to love doing was just going up there lunchtime having lunch then meeting the friends for a couple of drinks and then staying going somewhere for dinner that's what i want to do because i'm going to be that greedy that my first hospitality experience after this lockdown needs to be an entire day and night. Um, and Very I, good. <laughs> I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do lunch, and then I'm gonna do drinks, and then I might even try and fit in like a visit to Ronnie Scott's um, or the Soho Theatre or something like that, so that we can get a little bit of you know um, that sort of artist side in as well. Um, yeah. But yeah. I and as for where will I go? We have a fantastic fishmongers near here 
called SOPAs, um, who've been going since 1884 or something, and they're, they're brilliant. So we haven't been short of fish and seafood. However, there's nothing quite like a big sort of mixed grill of seafood or a seafood platter. So what, either the lunch or the dinner, one of those needs to be something like that. But um, right. yeah, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. We've literally today just booked a table at Restaurant Story. Oh, have you? Yeah. And I left that, we'd kind of just went, look, we've not had a proper special meal for, well, like like everyone, probably a proper special meal for ages, other than every meal, of course. <laughs> They're all very special. Um, and that's been on the list for so long that we just went, well, sod it, you know, let's just do it. Yeah. And yeah, so I, I can't wait for 5th of June, we're going. Really? Obviously, I've never been. But I've got a very big birthday coming up in May. Um, so I, I will be relying then on, on, on a couple of decent 25. Nights. And that's a cor- absolutely correct. <laughs> I, just, yeah. I, I had a hard paper round. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, um, so I certainly around that. And of course, at that point, I think we're still going to have rule of six in. So my only way to celebrate, of course, will be to go out for multiple celebrations, yeah. um, throughout the country and, and, and be back to propping up hospitality and doing what I do best. Um, but that's the plan, definitely. Yeah, there's a lot of us out there who are ready to prop up hospitality. That's not our own hospitality. Yeah, absolutely. I am so bloody ready. I can't wait for somebody to make me a drink, bring it to me, clear it away afterwards, get me a fresh glass, and get me another one, and and not me not have to do all of those things. You know? Yeah, <laughs> not have to wash up and not have to, you know. Yeah, <sighs> do I really have to make another espresso martini? Jeez. Um, no, I can't. I'm caffeinated enough already, Phil. I don't eat. I don't drink coffee. I can't touch the stuff. You can do it with decaf. I, I'm not really a big fan of the taste, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I that's fair. I'm a, I'm a strange person who doesn't drink tea or coffee. Yeah, well, we can leave that there. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> so beyond all of your kind of day job, it also looks like you've got other things that you kind of keep your eye in. Did I read correctly that you're a trustee at the BII? Yes, so um, one of the things that I've been the most proud of, actually, is that I am a trustee with EII. I was asked last January, so it's been just over a year now, I think. Um, and that in itself has been a challenge. You know, the BII is such a such a fantastic entity in itself. Um, but the work that, the, that Steve and Molly and Natalie and the guys there have done over the last for uh, was it now nearly a year isn't it uh, of this pandemic has has been well, it's been quite humbling to watch actually and I've been really proud to have been on the sidelines um and and looking at what's going on there and and having that opportunity to to speak to them and understand in in more depth what the challenges are for the industry so yeah the, yes the BII is something I'm, I'm incredibly proud to be part of yeah and uh, and it doesn't stop there uh, as I read, and I might be wrong, but um, you're a Plan B mentor as well? I am. I got involved with Plan B, um, when was that? A couple of years ago now. And the the mentee um, that uh, I kind of got together with um, after the first session I did, um, I'm still working with. So, you know, that's been brilliant because um, she will remain nameless, but she's an absolutely awesome businesswoman. Um, she's fantastic at what she does. Um, and I've been really pleased to sort of watch her grow and yeah. you know what Anne Elliott and Emma Corza and the the women that run Plan B set up 
is just something that's so important to me and something that's so important to this industry in particular. You know, it has been male dominated at times. And even where it's not male dominated, you find that in the boardroom positions, it is there. So Plan B was set up, um, I mean, they'll, they'll tell you far more about it than, than I will, having having only taken on one mentee so far, but, you know, it was set up to help women to achieve what they're fully capable of achieving and, and, and to just mentor people through that process of getting to where they deserve to be. Brilliant. Yeah, well, that that that's that sounds awesome. I think it's it's a conversation which thankfully is is not going away. Yes. And but there's still an awful long way to go. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I, I'll tell you this story. When I was first in this industry, I did my first ever uh, sort of formal speaking engagement at the Tenanted Pub Summit at Claridge's. And when I got off, so this is I don't know, eleven years ago or something. When right. I got off stage, a uh, very high up pub company exec came up to me and said your speech was too short and your skirt is too long oh god and I was new into the industry and I that was I say my first ever speaking engagement and I just looked at him and I kind of god I'm getting almost like a bit of anxiety thinking about it now I kind of just giggled and walked off because I didn't know what to do and then when I that story you know subsequently to people you know, the response I got from people was, wow, you shouldn't have let him speak to you like that. And it's got like, well, what, what should I have done? There, there's no protocol for what I should have done. Now, I think you're right. The, the, it, the industry is changing. It, it is, you know, it's had, you know, some of its own hashtag me too moments. But it's something I'm really passionate about is, is making sure there's that equality of opportunity for women in hospitality. And that hospitality is a safe space for them to explore that equality of opportunity. And we're not perfect. We still don't do things right. Um, I still, because I do a lot of work in the pub industry, I still walk into rooms where there are 20% women and 80% men. And I still see behavior that I don't think is fair and, uh, and giving that equal opportunity to women. But it is changing. But we do need to keep it on the agenda. And we do need For to sure. talk about it. And I, and I think that that's really important. One of the decisions I made around lockdown time was that I wouldn't go on a panel that was where I was the only woman. Um, yeah. You know, but presuming it was a large panel, if there's only two people, then that's one thing. But, you know, <laughs> but, you know if you've got six people on a panel and you've only got one of them as a woman and the guy that's doing the questioning is, is a guy as well. Yeah, shouldn't be like that. And actually, no, for sure. Oh well, actually, the only people that are available are men. Well, that means you weren't looking hard enough. That means you're not spending enough time networking with people to to speak to people that could that not not fill that quota. It's not about filling a quota. It's about giving people the opportunity to shine. And women yeah. always have that, but we are starting to see more of that in the industry. And I'm I'm proud to be even a, just a smidgen of a part of that by being stubborn and bloody minded and refusing to do things like that. Do you know, I hadn't hadn't picked up that in your character at all across <laughs> what I've known and heard about you <laughs> yes yes I, I'm, I once I've made up my mind I'm afraid Phil that's that yeah yeah no that's that's good don't change don't change I'm just just I was going to say busting your balls but that's not right either but um <laughs> right. anyway awesome well look thank you the one thing that I always love to ask everybody if, if they've got any uh any stories that they they like to share from your time in and around the industry, uh, the funnier the better. Have you got anything that, that's shareable? 
Oh my goodness, no, probably not. No. Think, <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> I think it's probably best that my stories sort of stay reasonably hidden because I, I do tend to find myself... I, I, I once spoke to James Hakon, I don't know if you know James, who said to me, because I said to him, why do you always leave everything early? And he said to me, Katie, nothing good comes from being up after 1am. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that he's absolutely right with that. And seeing as all the stories I've got... Um, probably did happen after 1am. I think it's probably best we leave them there. Right, noted. The funny thing about that is this this 1am is clearly a fabled time because I had a, a guest on, a guy called Alex Dilling, two Michelin star chef, ex-greenhouse. Mm-hmm. And um, when I asked him about his, you know, any funny stories, etc., he said, I, I think a lot of crazy stuff happens after 1am. <laughs> and yeah, it seems to be that that's a, a bit of a running theme. And Perfectly fair, I think. I think so. I think, yeah. I, you know, it, it's like, you know, what goes on after 1am stays in 1am. Yeah, <laughs> noted. That's fine. Awesome. So what's uh, what does the next year hold for you guys? Um, you know, well, we're incredibly busy at the moment. We're just um, putting out our, we one of the programs that we run, because we do run some sort of ongoing programs as well as our bespoke research, is the licensee index, which is actually probably something I'm, most proud of in 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 my career it's something I started up at, at another at my previous role and then kind of brought with me to this one and um it speaks to the licensees of 19 or 20 of the the UK pub companies um every once a year and gets them to sort of grade their their um their parent pub company and sort of rate them on 50 50- measures so we're just rolling that out at the moment so that's an annual thing so we're just rolling out the results of that so that's a pretty busy time for us over the next couple of weeks doing that um this year i really hope that cam will expand i have my eye on a role that i would like to fill and i think that we're in a good position to do that there's a little bit of me being a bit cautious because i want to see what happens about coming out of lockdown I also yeah. know that Cam is a company, you know, we, I, one of the things I've worked on over this last six months, you know, we're only a small team, but is looking at how we can get the best out of each other, but still have that flexibility to have a life. You know, that whole, that fabled phrase, work-life balance is incredibly important. And I think people have realised that over this pandemic, especially, is that actually, you know, you've got that sweet spot now of sort of, six o'clock to seven o'clock which used to be your travel time where now you're actually already at home so you know you can spend a bit more time with your family or you can do your gardening or you can read the book or whatever it is and I I'm really keen to 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 make sure that I want I want to make sure that CAM is as a company as attractive as possible for people who want to be that whole person and to have a life outside of work you know and we work hard and we play hard but so I think I think just making sure that we're where we need to be as a company um, for what we're offering for employees, um, employing somebody possibly to come on board with us from an account director capacity, um, and then just continuing to evolve some of the work that we're doing. And, and you know, we've won a lot of new clients recently, which is really fascinating because every time you win a new client, it's a new opportunity and new, new challenges that come with that. So I just want to continue along the road that we're going and just having a glance back once in a while to sense check that what we're doing is right. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, that sounds like a, a phenomenally touchwood positive year ahead. And I wish you all the very best with all of that. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm positive, 
and confident that as and when hospitality reopens, that it's going to be a good year for those of us who have put in that time during the pandemic to make sure that we're business fit. Um, and, And I look forward to being out there helping our clients and everybody in the hospitality industry to, to be exactly that. Awesome. Do you know that, that sounded like a, a really lovely wrap up statement, but I'm not <laughs> going to leave it there. So sorry about that. Um, but you did mention um, two words there that I love positive and confident. Yeah. I think they're, you know, they're, they're one without the other is a, is not so much of a force of nature when you combine the two together. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've got those two things, then you're in a, a mentally good place to, to crack on. Yeah, totally agree. Final question. What would you say to somebody who was considering a career in hospitality? Wow. Um, what would I say to them? I would say go for it for a start. I would say find a mentor. Find somebody who you admire. It doesn't necessarily, you know, the, the mentoring used to be about, oh, I want your job, but it's not like that anymore. Find somebody that you admire that you think can help to coach you through. Learn as much as possible. I think that the the thing with hospitality is it allows you to learn a lot of different skills in a lot of different roles. And eventually you will settle on one that works for you. You know, it's a little bit like thinking of of your career as a taxi journey. You know, you you know where your destination is. So you might want to be board level uh, uh, in in a pub company. You might want to be maitre d' in a restaurant. You know what that destination is, but you're going to have to be flexible enough to know that that route might change whilst you're already in the car. You know, hospitality is fast moving and there are opportunities everywhere if you're open to them. So and and then the final my final piece of, of advice is actually is shamelessly stolen from Richard Branson, who once said, when he was asked, you know, how, how did he sort of start up all these different businesses? He said, if someone asked me how to do, if someone asked me to do something and I didn't know how, I'd say yes and I'd learn. And yeah. that is definitely my business mantra. Uh, well, I mean, it's perfect, right? Because if you're, this is, comes down to the, the similar sort of prospect of if you're waiting for the right set of circumstances to do something, then you'll be waiting forever. Absolutely. And um, actually, this podcast is another prime example of it. Somebody said to me, just get it launched and worry about perfect later. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm still worrying about perfect. But, um, I'll be worrying about perfect forever. No, if, if you get to perfect, then you've got no more work to do. And then where's the fun in that? Exactly. Exactly. If um, if people want to get a hold of you to learn more about you or your company, what's the, the best method for them to do that? Oh, God. Uh, well, as, as you've... As you mentioned, we're everywhere, so you can find <laughs> and it's Katie K A T Y Katie Cam Media on Twitter, or you've got Cam Media Insight as well as our work fund that I'm no longer allowed to be to, to be in charge of. Um, or you can also drop us an email or find me on LinkedIn. But yeah, Katie Moses Cam Media, please do get in touch. Um, it's always great to hear from people out there. Fantastic! Thank you very much for for spending some time today, and amongst all these mental projects that you've got going on oh. and many many different things it's been uh it's been fun to finally get you on i say finally i had i only reached out to you a few weeks ago no, it's all my fault hugely flattered to be asked thank you oh, you're very welcome and i wish you all the very best for the year ahead and beyond thank you so much phil nice one take care Bye. bye-bye And there we have it, another wonderful chat with an amazing human from hospitality, doing incredible work to support this great industry. 
Thanks so much for what you do, Katie. Don't forget, we'll be back at 8pm next Wednesday with more stories from hospitality. But until then, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.